This morning we are looking at Ephesians chapter 5, where we're going to start in verse 21 and read through uh, the end of, of the chapter. One of the things we value uh, as a church is uh, expository preaching, and what that simply means is that it's our habit to take books of the Bible and passages of the Bible and work our way uh, through those from beginning to end, uh, starting in the beginning, passage by passage by passage, until we're, we're done. And some of the benefits of that is that it exposes us to uh, passages and places that maybe we wouldn't normally find ourselves in, find ourselves looking at. Uh, It uh, it helps me uh, in the sense that it forces me to to look at passages uh, that I may not naturally gravitate uh, to want to preach and and to talk about. And to be honest, this passage this morning is, is one of those that I'm not... Uh, necessarily would have woken up, would have been in my top ten passages uh, to preach on, uh, but we're going to work through it uh, as best we can. Uh, Ephesians, uh, we're in that part of Ephesians where Paul is saying, I'm going to give you practical, I'm giving you application, I'm giving you things to do, and the reason I'm, I'm, I'm chapter after chapter, verse after verse, giving something, adding something to your plate, so to speak, and for something for you to examine yourself by is because I've spent three chapters telling you who you are who you are in Christ, who you are in God, what God the Son, what God the Father, what God the Holy Spirit has done in your life and what he continues to do in your life. And because of that truth, live this way. In other words, uh, because you are accepted, uh, then follow, then trust, then obey. The inverse of that would be uh, dangerous and, and destroy us spiritually. Because we want to be accepted, I'm going to obey. That's not what the Bible communicates. That's not what Paul is communicating to us in Ephesians. Because you've been loved by the Father, because the Son has come and died in your place, because the Spirit has, has, has sealed you, uh, follow him, trust him, uh, be an imitator of God as we looked at uh, last week. We're in that place in, in Ephesians where Paul is going to make uh, mention or make application to our relationships. This morning we're going to talk about the, the, the marriage relationship. Uh, after that, it's parent and child, uh, slave and master, before he talks about uh, spiritual battle. And so that being said, let's read from Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21, and I'll read through verse 33. So as you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's word to us this morning? Let's hear God's word. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they fed and care for their their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. 
This is God's word. It's absolutely true and given to us in love. Would you pray with me? Father God, we uh, pray and ask that your word would work within us. We pray that you would bless this time, that you would encourage us and help shape us to be your people that reflect your glory uh, in the culture and in the world that we live in. We ask in Christ's name, amen. Would you please be seated? Christian author and pastor uh, Brian Chappell writes in his book on marriage about uh, some time he spent with a, uh, a couple, a young couple, um, been married for a short period of time, and uh, they've been struggling in their marriage. Uh, they grew up in a Christian home, uh, grew up in a Christian family, went to church regularly, went to a, a Christian college, uh, but their marriage was, was struggling. There was something off, and they couldn't just put their finger on it, so they came uh, to their pastor, and they sat down and talked to him, and uh, Brian Chappell's talking to him back and forth, you know, kind of asking them things, get to know them, and know some things about their, their marriage, and to get a feel for where they feel like things are off. And then he asked the husband this, he says to him, he says, what does it mean for you to lead, uh, to be the head of the household? What does it mean for you to lead in your, your marriage, in your relationship? And this is, this is what he said. He said, in order to make sure that there is no question about who is the head of our home, I tried to make sure both my wife and I let Scripture rule our actions. For instance, if I come home from work and I'm trying to relax by watching TV or reading the paper, my wife may ask for some help with something in the kitchen or with the kids. They had two preschoolers, um, including twins at the time. Uh, To make sure that we both know who is the head of our home, I flip a coin in my head. If it comes up heads, I help. If it comes up tails, I don't. That way there's no question who is in charge. Now, Chapel heard that and he said, you know what, I think I know what the problem is uh, in that situation. Uh, I'm sure none of us are flipping coins, imaginary coins in our head, deciding whether we are going to help or not. Uh, and there are always areas in our lives, in our relationships, in our marriages uh, where we do need to work on, where we do need some input, we need some reflection, we need to examine ourselves. I'm well aware that not everybody in the room is married. We're all at different stages of life and different circumstances. But I think there are some principles, there are some things for us as we think about our marriages, as we think about husband and wife, as we think about what does it mean uh, to, to be uh, together and be in that kind of relationship. And so what I want to do this morning is just have two main points I want to think about two individuals. Think about the wife and the husband. Specifically, what's the call of the wife? What's the role of the wife? And the same thing for the husband. What is the role of the husband? What's the call of the husband that we see uh, in this uh, passage uh, here this morning? So first, the the calling of the wife. What is Paul's input for us here? In a nutshell, the Bible characterizes the, the role of the wife as submitting or as letting the husband lead in the relationship. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, maybe you hear the S word, and you tense up. And maybe you think those are fighting words, okay? You want to talk about submitting? You want to talk about submission? You don't know who I'm married to. You don't know what's going on. You don't know how things work. Before you send me hate email, let me walk through just a little bit what uh, submission means, 
by first talking about what it does not mean and then talking about what it does mean and then maybe some practical points of application. Here's some things that submission does not mean. Submission is not simply a marriage thing or issue. Okay, Submission is part of the Christian life. Verse 21, Paul has, has kind of set the stage when he said, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so there is this, submission is not exclusive just for the wife, but it's characterized all of us in our relationships with one another and then in the different relationships that we have uh, in our lives. But think about this. Think about the Trinity and how you see mutual submission going on between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This stands out to us. You read the Gospels long enough, you see uh, Jesus coming and saying, my will is to do the will of the one who sent me. Over and over again, Jesus submitting himself to the will of the Father. I'm not coming to do my will, but I'm coming to do the will of the Father. I'm coming to bring him glory. I'm coming to bring him honor. It's his name that I want to be lifted up. The classic example, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he's about to be executed, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. Submitting himself to the will of the Father. Submission is a, is a Christian thing. It, it affects all areas of our lives, regardless of gender. Submission does not mean the wife is second class. It doesn't mean that she loses her dignity or her quality. Uh, women are created in the image of God with equal worth, equal value, equal love from God the Father. It's just that Paul is describing a different role for the wife in the context of marriage. Women are created equal to God, and they share equal worth and value. Submission does not mean silence. It doesn't mean that she always uh, allows herself to be walked over, disrespected, uh, feeling like she's used all the time, like she's just some kind of, of servant. It doesn't mean those things at all. There's no sense of blind obedience in that relationship Submission is not stifling. It doesn't mean that the wife never leaves the home. It doesn't mean that the wife gives up on her dreams. It doesn't mean that she gives up on her vocation. It doesn't mean that she gives, off, gives up on her, her gifting and her, all the things that she wants to do. It's just that she expresses her gifts, her strengths, uh, for the sake of that relationship and in the context of that relationship to make that marriage work, using her gifts to bring glory to God uh, submission it does not is not weakness. Weakness is a sense of you're allowing yourself to be a doormat when I submit. That's not biblical submission. That's that's not the call of a wife in the context of a marriage. In fact, it should be the opposite. It is the opposite. It's you embracing your strength in the context of that relationship to bring glory to God and to make that marriage work and be strong. So here's what submission is, I think, from this uh, passage and from uh, the scriptures. The first thing is submission is a humble recognition of God's ordering. That in the context of marriage, God has certain roles for the man and the woman. And there's this recognition of that. There's this honoring of God and showing obedience to God. You have certain roles for the man and the wife, and I'm being obedient to that. I'm recognizing those things. Second thing is, submission fulfills the purpose of completing another. In verses 31 through 32, Paul is is quoting from the Old Testament. He's going back uh, to Genesis. They are talking about how when the man and woman leave their mother and father and form another family unit, separate from their parents, and they form that unit, there's a sense of oneness. There's a sense of unity. 
Uh, Brian Chappell writes about this like this. He says, these words tell us that submission is the pouring of oneself into the completion of another. It is the sacrificing yourself to make a relationship and those in it full. It's, it's giving to make that relationship complete, to make it uh, united. Uh, in a moment, we're going to talk about how God, part of the point of marriage is sanctification, is us growing together in holiness. That's what marriage does in us does in our lives there's a sense of unity there's a sense of oneness that's happening and as the wife fulfills her role and we'll talk about the husband and his role in a moment as she fulfills her role she's moving towards that oneness she's moving towards that that completeness that's there the third thing submission is done out of reverence for christ there's a sense in which god you've placed me in this relationship and out of uh, love for you devotion for you dependence upon you I'm taking upon my role to allow my husband to lead and to follow him and to equip him and to uh, be his, his partner, if you will, to be his helpmate, to, to be in this relationship and to fulfill my role so that your name is glorified as I'm being dependent upon you, as I'm using my gifts in this relationship for the strengthening of our marriage and for the glory of your name now, here's a, a couple of points of, of application, because I think maybe there's some things that may be running uh, through your mind. Uh, for one point of application is this, as you think about your husband leading in the relationship, taking on leadership, uh, you're expecting him to lead with gentleness and sacrifice. Uh, your role, your position should be expecting your husband to lead with gentleness and sacrifice. Now, some of you hear that, the husband leading, and you think, okay, but my husband doesn't lead. He doesn't do anything. He's completely passive. He's completely indifferent. What do you do in that situation when you're met with that kind of frustration? Well, first of all, realize that your words as a wife have incredible power upon him in that relationship, that you can speak words that give him uh, life and strength and encouragement, and you can do the opposite. You can speak words that bring death, if you will, that bring complacency, that bring him moving away from you, that make him more isolating uh, in the relationship. So you have the power of encouragement. And so think about part of, uh, I think, being in the relationship doesn't mean that you, you can't encourage your husband to lead. There are words you can use. There are um, conversations you can have to say, hey, I want to help you lead better, and these are some things I'm seeing. And so it may be something along the lines like this, because if you say to your husband, or if you give off the vibe that, you know, hey, you're not going to lead our family spiritually, so I guess I'm going to do it uh, myself, that is, th- those are words of death. Those are words of isolation. Those are words of, of, of separating and not moving uh, together in a relationship. But instead saying something like this, saying, hey, I saw at church there's this devotional that they have that we can use and read together. What if we were to, to read that to together? What if I was to make some coffee, get some, some nice uh, tasty treats? I'll set aside a, a quiet time for us, a great place, if you'll just read, a, read that uh, to us and we can talk about it. Or approach him and saying, hey, you do a great job at providing for us as a family. Uh, you see too that, that our, our needs are met, that all the, you work hard and you do all these things and you keep the budget great. What if we were to give a little bit to compassion? What if we were to, to give a little bit to our church? What if we were to give a little bit here or there? 
You get the idea. It's, it's encouraging him with the things that he's, he's doing and saying, hey, I'm seeing some areas too where we could do better as a couple and I want you to lead and move out in this direction. The second thing is this. Uh, respect your husband. Respect your husband. You saw this at the end of the passage. Love your husband by respecting him. This is a huge deal for men that you can cut him down with belittling comments, um, talking about uh, maybe passive-aggressively how incompetent he is with other people. And when you do that, you show disrespect. And when you do that, you handicap him. You cripple him. And for men, we need to know respect. In a moment, I'll tell you what women need from us as, as men, I think. But that idea of respect is huge. And so showing him respect. Uh, Proverbs especially makes a big deal out of talking to young men and say to them, be careful who you marry. Be careful the woman that you're attracted to. For example, in Proverbs 21, it says, 21 to 19, the author writes, better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. Live in the sense of exist with. And so what's the proverb saying? It's saying it's better for you to live in the desert than be stuck or locked up in a house with somebody who is nagging you and always wanting to fight and always coming with you with, at you with all these fears and anxieties and worries that you have. You're better off living in the desert and dying there than being in that situation. For husbands to, excuse me, for wives to love their husbands by respecting them, by not always wanting to fight, by not always nagging but not to always overwhelming them with every kind of fear that you feel like is coming at you. Now, ultimately, as I said, the wife submits out of reverence for Christ. The wife follows her husband. And as he is following Christ, so the wife follows. It doesn't mean that she does things that are unbiblical. It doesn't mean that she does things that are out of bounds. But as he is following the Lord, she is following him are there times when the, the man abuses that position, abuses that situation? Yes. You abuse it with, uh, with power, abuse it uh, physically, emotionally. You've got to talk to somebody about that. You've got to talk to somebody about what is going on and how that is affecting you. That's a little bit about uh, the, the wife and her role. Let's talk about uh, the husband and, and his role. Verse 23 and verse 25 Uh, The husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In a nutshell, Paul is saying, husbands, lead. Husbands, lead by serving your spouse. Husbands, lead by being engaged, by being responsible, by taking uh, action, so to speak, in the relationship. Now, just as I did before, this is, I want to talk a little bit what uh, headship means or does not mean, and then talk about what it does mean and maybe a couple points of application. Being the husband does not mean that you make all the money, come home, and boss your wife around. It doesn't mean that you make all of the decisions. It doesn't mean that the wife has to deal with whatever the husband wants to do. Whatever I say, she has to do. It does not mean that. It doesn't mean that she can, he can dominate her in any way. It doesn't grant him the right to be selfish, to be prideful, to be domineering. Uh, it should be clear with how Paul lays out this is what it means to be a husband. You, you serve. You lead by serving. You lead by sacrificing. And what's your model? It's how Christ loved the church. 
uh, being, it, it, being the leader, being the husband, does not justify being passive in the home. It does not justify being passive in the home. It doesn't justify, well, I'm the leader, and so it doesn't mean that I have to do anything. I'm in charge here, so I don't have to have any kind of responsibility at all. It doesn't mean that you've handed over the reins of the responsibility of the family and of what's going on uh, without any regard uh, for her. I, I mentioned a moment ago, what, for men, respect is a big deal. For women, I'm willing to bet uh, that men being passive in the relationship is what is so frustrating. Men who have given over the reins of that relationship and saying, you know, we're just on cruise control. We're just going to live like roommates here. I'm not going to pursue you. I'm not going to take responsibility for who we are spiritually. I'm not going to take responsibility for our kids and where we're going with them. I'm just kind of giving all that over uh, to you. This is what it means to lead uh, in the home. It means basically taking responsibility for what God has committed to your care. That as husbands, we take responsibility for what God has given to us to care for. It means leading. It means following and leading in the way that Paul is described here by sacrificing, by loving. Verse 25 again. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let me give you four practical things. I think this means, and then we'll, we'll close in prayer. The first one is humility. That as husbands, we lead with humility. And again, Christ is our model. How did Christ lead the church? How does he lead his people? He does it with humility. Christ does rule the church. He governs on high. He is, he is uh, our leader, but he doesn't use that leadership for his own benefit, for his own selfish gain. Instead, he humbles himself. And how far does he humble himself? All the way. He gives his life. He gives completely uh, to us, uh, to serve us. In the same way as husbands, we're to, we're to serve, we're to act humbly, seeking the needs, seeking the desires, seeking uh, the, the welfare of our family and the one that we've been married to. Here's an example I've heard expressed like this. Say you've got a couple and they're going to buy a car, okay? Uh, the wife wants a red car. This red car is awesome, hubby. Let's get this one. And the husband says, no, I want the blue one. The blue car is awesome. We need to get that one. And so they can't agree on which car to buy. One wants red, one wants blue. Now, what, what happens? Does the husband say, you know what? You know, Ephesians 5.22 says that you know, the, the wife needs to submit, so we're going to go ahead and get the blue car. Now, if the wife is on her toes, she's going to turn around and say, well, that may be true, but it says in verse 25 that uh, the husband is supposed to sacrifice is supposed to die for the husband. The husband is supposed to die for the wife, and so we're getting the red car. The husband is looking to please his wife. He's looking to serve her. He's looking to put her needs first. What does Christ do for us? He puts his our needs ahead of him. Our needs for salvation. Our needs for grace. Our needs for forgiveness. Our needs to be made right with God, and it cost him his life. Here is Paul encouraging us as husbands to think about the needs of our wife and say in this situation, for example, of course you're going to get the red car because you're thinking about her needs. You're thinking about what she wants. You're thinking about her desires. You're thinking about what is important for her, and you're seeking ways to serve and uh, make her happy. The second thing is our service. As we're going to think about how Christ led the church, we think about how he served us. 
We talked a little bit about how he served us to the point of death. We think about Jesus on the night when he was betrayed. Okay, the disciples are coming in. They're going to have this Passover meal. What does Jesus do? He stands up. He begins to wash their feet. He gets all the dirt from their feet. This is a job of servants. This is a job of the lowliest servants to do that kind of thing. And here's the Son of God standing up and washing these men's feet. It's a picture of service. It's a picture for us as husbands to serve our wives. Practically what that means is we take out the trash. Uh, We unload the dishes. We help with the kids. We volunteer to do things. We take care of the the common things and and the big picture things to take the load off of our spouses because we love them, because we want to serve them as Christ has served us. Uh, the third thing is patience. Again, you go back to the Gospels, Jesus over and over and again saying, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to the cross, I'm going to the cross, I'm going to the cross. And the disciples over and over and again, they don't get it. They don't fully understand what he's talking about. And you see the patience that he exercises with the disciples day in and day out. As leaders, we exercise patience with our families, with our spouses, that we're there to serve them. We're not there to be served, but we're there to give to them. Finally, the last thing. Uh, Leading, as husbands, means focusing on the spiritual needs of the family. Leading means focusing on the spiritual needs of the family. Leading as a husband means that you are responsible for the spiritual welfare of your family. It falls on you. It falls on you uh, to get them in front of the Word of God. It falls on you for them to understand the Scriptures. You may not be actively doing it. You may not be the one uh, giving them direct instruction, but you're fulfilling your responsibility to make sure that they are in a place where they can grow in the Lord, where they're at church, where you're talking about the Scriptures with them. Uh, the children are, are, are being discipled. Whether you're doing it, you're putting them in a position where that is happening. That You have goals, you have plans. Uh, your spiritual life is high on your list. Uh, in verse 26 of this passage, Paul says, Christ, he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. It's that, that picture, that, that priority for Christ is our sanctification, our growing in godliness, our growing to be more Christ-like. And as husbands, we take responsibility for that. Your family will succeed spiritually when the husband is fulfilling that role. It doesn't mean that he's, he's this master preacher, pastor, theologian, spiritual director. It just means that he's taking responsibility. He's saying, hey, let's go to church. Let's go to this church because of what they believe and what they're doing and the things that they value. Let's go and be a part of this project because this will benefit us and because it will bring glory to God. Let's do these things. Let's plug into these things. Let's sacrifice. Let's be careful how we put things into our calendar, how we're spending our time, because we don't want to crowd out our spiritual lives and the importance of that for us. Let me close uh, with this thought. As I said earlier, expository preaching gets me because I'm confronted with passages that I don't necessarily naturally want to dig into. And as I alluded to, this is one of those things, and I've been thinking about this passage in the back of my head all week, thinking about my marriage and thinking about these are the areas I could do better in. These are the areas I could serve well in or lead this way or be more patient here or there. And I'm sure all of us have areas we think about our relationship, we think about our marriage, and it's like, eh, he's probably right. I need help in this area or that area. 
And so let me leave you with this one thought, that God is at work. God is at work in your marriages. God is at work in you. And God is at work in your children. And we see how God is at work. And because God is at work, we can follow him. We can trust him. You think of that idea of, of submitting. You think about Christ. He submitted to the will of the Father. And because of that, we get to know Jesus. We get salvation. We get freedom. We get grace. We can be completely honest with him about our sins. And he's not going to reject us. He's not going to turn his head in disgust, but he accepts us already as his children because Christ submitted to the will of the Father. And you think, too, about how now Christ not only sacrificed and gave himself, but he leads us, he directs us, he guides us by his word. As you think about God working in your life, nobody's asking you to be a perfect wife, nobody expects you to be a perfect husband. But Paul's encouraging us in these words to do a little self-examination. To think about your role in your relationships and see how you could do better and see how you can trust him more by serving and being led. Would you pray with me? Father God, we, um, we need much prayer for our marriages. Relationships are hard because they involve two sinners, because they involve people who are thinking about themselves and natural bent is uh, our own agendas. So, Father God, we uh, pray by your Spirit that you would um, encourage us in our relationships, that you would help us to fill uh, the roles that you have for us, uh, the positions that you've placed us in, and that your Spirit uh, would guide us. Uh, we are, are weak, we're prideful, uh, we're distracted, uh, we're full of ourselves, we pray in light of your truth. Uh, that you would uh, grow our marriages and our relationships. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.